0: The Hurling Pod on OTB Sports.
1: I know you listened to James Cahill's podcast with Will Darren Haller. He asked James who was going to win, and he said, But well, Why do you think? Because I just really, really want him to win. <laughs> <laughs> Subscribe to the GA Podcast feed on the OTB Sports app now. Off the ball. This is News Talk. Now to our next piece, a little bit uh, different to what we might usually do. I suppose, in a sense, it's how sport can change a life in an unexpected way. Very happy to say we're joined by Wally Green. Wally, great to have you on the show.
0: Hey, thank you for having me.
1: Uh, Here's a quote you don't read every day. If it weren't for table tennis, I'd be dead or in jail now. You grew up in the housing projects in Brooklyn. Table tennis was not on your radar, not a big part of your life. Probably it's fair to say the high school student uh, Wally Green would have looked at table tennis with a fair degree of contempt.
0: <laughs> That's exactly exactly correct.
1: So tell us a bit about that upbringing then, because I suspect it's very different from mine or most people's.
0: Yeah, so um, I grew up I grew up in the projects. Um, my parents really didn't have any money. Uh, my mom and dad divorced. um, actually I I don't know because I I don't have any uh, picture in my mind of my mom and dad together so probably when I was before I was one and uh, she married an abuser uh, a guy who used to beat her up all the time and you know and it it was it was really tough it it was it was a a crazy life you know I I spend most of my life uh, trying to figure out how I could kill this guy who is beating up my mom that's and i think that's pretty crazy for a kid you know from the age of 5 to be thinking about every day of what i could do to get rid of this person um yeah and that led me to you know gangs and guns at an early age you know by 13 i already owned six guns it was gang banging at 13 in the streets um because that that was where my family was that that was well that was where I, I thought was my family, right? Because those were people that I could always reach out to, those people I could always talk to, right? Uh, nobody was telling me that I was going to be nothing or or that I was going to be dead or in jail for life, even though that was the road that we were all going. But no one was saying that, right? Everyone was just kind of like trying to help each other out, you know, as, as a team.
1: Wally, I can't... Wally, I can't imagine what it would be like to be in a room or to be in the next room and seeing or hearing my mother being struck by my stepfather. Can't imagine. And being almost helpless to do anything about it.
0: Yeah, that's that's um that's the hardest part about it, right? It's it's uh because you know, as as a boy you want to help it, it, like like you want to if you could you would but you know when you're young you really can't do anything about it and if you and if you even look like in my case if I even look like I was kind of watching what was going on I got hit so 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 it, it, it wasn't even like um you know I didn't get nothing from that if if I was looking even looking in the direction I got hit as well because it would be like oh you want you want this too you know so um <clears throat> excuse me that that was one of the reasons why as a kid the only thing that was on my mind was trying to kill this guy i mean there there was a time i remember i think i was i still remember that i think i was like 8 7 or 8 and uh my stepfather used to take uh some medicine and you know um we had some roaches in the house you know most projects do and uh Back then, we are using uh, boric acid. It's like a powder that you put on the corner of the floors that the roach is stepping in. I guess it eats their legs or something like that. Um, and I remember, like, trying to figure out how I could put this boric acid powder into his capsules. And this is, like, eight years old. This this is what I'm thinking about at eight years old. You know, at eight years old, I'm thinking about, you know, if if... If the um, the cloth into the muffler of a car really works, like you see that you see it in movies, right? Like, like if I put that in the car, will he just like pass out and die in the car? So, yeah. So this is the kind of uh, mindset that I had as a kid. Mm.
1: And was he still around in your teenage years when you had a gun? Because I'm sure you contemplated shooting him. Say again one more time. Was he still around in your teenage years when you had guns? Because I'm sure you would have contemplated oh, shooting him. He, he
0: he, never left. Like he, I don't know, man. My, my mom just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, yeah. Even, even when I was in uh, uh, gangs, he was still around. Um, many times. Uh, there was one in particular time where I was 14 years old. And I got arrested um, in school uh, for possession of a weapon. And um, I've had a lot of problems already with the school and some other problems before. Um, but the thing about me was that I had good grades. So it was really weird. It, it, <laughs> it was just weird. And the reason I had good grades was because I was, even at a young age, I was an entrepreneur in my mind, right? So I made sure that I had people doing the work for me getting the notes for me, anything that I needed done in school, I had someone doing because I played sports and I needed to stay on the teams, right? If you don't uh, have good grades, then you get kicked off and I needed the sport. So I always had people doing stuff for me. Right. And, and as part of doing stuff for me, then they didn't have to have any problems in school with anyone else. Right. So, um, yeah, uh, um I, I just lost track of what your question was.
1: Well, I was I was I guess you were saying that he very much did stick around in your teenage yeah, years. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll come back to you and, and ping pong and table tennis in a moment. How did that situation with your mother and your stepfather finish up? Are they still together? Is he gone? Oh uh, so so
0: so let me tell you the, the, the most craziest thing that happened with all of that when I was so as I mentioned before, I was 14 years old, I got arrested in school um the judge i was looking at 10 years in jail so i would i would go from juvenile to adult um which is the worst for any kid to make that transition from juvenile to adult you you'll ruin your you, your life will be ruined like that like that's it if if you go from like that cuz there's so many important years in your childhood that if you miss those years and you spend those years in a penitentiary it's going to be very difficult for you to come back into society and be normal. And so, uh, my mom told the judge that, uh, you know, I'm a great student, which I was, I had great grades. And they somehow got the judge to agree to send me to Africa for two years. So I went there to a boarding school in Africa, all boys boarding school. And I lived there uh, for two years. And, um, While I was there, I I had a lot of issues there as well. Like, you know, I had a lot of problems there because when I was in Africa, uh, the Africans were saying, you're not the real black. (laughs) And so I was fighting a lot there. So I went there and I had more drama, but um, I didn't have any guns there. I didn't have any knives. It's just a lot of fighting physically. So uh, when I came back, I came back at 16. Um, I was supposed to actually go back. But uh, I told my mom, if they send me back, I'll just get off the first uh, stop and I'll never come back again. You'll never see me again. And um, they decided that I would stay. And um, there was, so now I was much stronger now, right? From having the experience in Africa. And uh, my stepfather was actually um, grabbing my mom one day, uh, grabbed like around her throat and they were arguing and I turned around and i looked i remember i haven't been home for 2 years and 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 i looked right and um my stepfather turned around and said to me if you look if you look over here one more time you're going to get the same thing but i wasn't that same kid you understand that 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 was there before i left i became a different totally different person and um i just lost it like i i i i just lost it like all i mean all i remember is I came back in the house with a gun. I don't even remember how I got out of the house. I, I I know I went to my friend's house to get it because that's where we used to keep it, but I came back to I came back in with a gun and I was gonna shoot my stepfather that day. And and I, I was shaking and and I was, you know, I, I was I, I was all these emotions going through my mind and as I put the gun to its face and and I and, and I said that, you know. You've been doing this for a long time, and I'm going to end it right now. And then my mom was screaming and yelling. And then my mom calls the police and says, "Um, you guys need to hurry. My son's trying to kill my husband. And then I pointed the gun to my mom as well. And uh, I was about to kill my parents (laughs) at that point. But, um, you know, I've always been a smart kid. I've always been smart. And um, something came, I always talk about this, something came and sat on my shoulder and all this craziness said to me, hey, if you do this right now, everything your stepfather said will happen right now. You, My stepfather told me as a kid, every day, oh, you're going to be dead or in jail. You're worthless. You're worthless. You're going to be dead or in jail. You're going to be dead or in jail. And this is what I heard every day. And so, something told me that if you do this right now this is what's going to happen whatever he said everything he said is going to come true and then i just came to my senses and i said you guys deserve each other and left home and never went back
1: oh has there been any reconciliation
0: no i i um so i found out i found out uh maybe two years ago from one of my uncles. Cause I, I don't talk to my family. I don't talk to anyone. Actually, when my dad, my when 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 my dad died, I don't talk to his family, right? Because I got a lot of hate from his wife. Right. And I don't talk to that family. So when my dad passed, I don't talk to that family. Then uh my mom and my stepfather, they've always been together. And then two years ago, my uncles, my mom's brother, um, I don't talk to the, her side of family. Also, um, he he randomly called me, and then his words were, you know, in I don't know if we can curse here. Sure. But that piece of shit is dead. And that was the first time I spoke to my uncle in I don't know in years, right? Because uh, gro- growing up with this abuse, I, I always remember my uncles would come by and my mom would not let them in. Like my stepfather was a narcissist, right? And and I didn't realize that until now that I'm older and understanding what narcissists do. My stepfather uh, alienated my mom from her family, right? Because I remember being home and I would say to my mom, hey, how come, you know, uncle blah, 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 can't, won't, won't, won't come over, how come, grandma won't come over how come you know and I noticed that people were never coming over my house right and then as I got older and this is recently that I learned about this is like I want to say maybe uh uh, sort of early post pandemic maybe like this is. I just started learning about this that the narcissist will nearly alienate the family the, the, the the person away from the family and that's what
1: and that's what he was doing okay and in the interim have you reached out to your mom um, I, so the problem with that is,
0: is that I've tried to have a conversation, a, a, a thing, but like my mom, she, she doesn't, um what's the word? She won't acknowledge. And that just makes me insanely, it makes me insanely crazy when someone is not acknowledging what they've done. And 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 uh, and for her, it's just kind of like, well, whatever. No, it's not whatever. It's that's that's not whatever. It's not whatever. Because let's just say, let, let's just say that day, right? Let's say I stayed a little bit longer, and I didn't leave right away. What would happen to me? I would have been arrested, right? I would have been caught with an illegal weapon in my house, right? What about all the other crazy shit I already did? I just came back. I just came back from getting off of not going, you know, like my yeah. life would have been ruined because you yeah. decided you wanted to call the police on your son for helping you. Right. So the fact that she doesn't acknowledge these things, I, I just can't, I, I, I don't talk to her at all. Like okay, zero. Okay. I just, I, I don't. And, and I think for me, I think um, most important thing is your own mental health. And I think a lot of people, they 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 sacrifice their mental health on the basis that, oh, it's a family member. I have to do this. No, it's not. It's not. The most important person is you. So if I want to keep my mental health sane, I need to stay away from that. And so that's what I do now.
1: And just one very quick point. You can explain, explain this to me in a line, even. Yeah. Why Africa? That seems like a slightly random place to send a kid.
0: Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Well, so because my mom had some friends who were from Africa and they kept saying if you send him there, they're gonna get his ass straight. And they okay. did and, and let me tell you, let me tell you, they 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 did get my ass straight. Okay. They, okay. They, they, yeah, yeah, they, they did for sure. It was different, you know, because you know, in, in, in Africa, in schools, like you get beat. Like it's not a joke. You get beat. You know, every, every, every professor or teacher, whatever you want to call it, walks around with a stick. And if someone is in a higher grade than you, so a person who's in a higher grade than you can actually beat you. So that's how the culture is. It, 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 it goes by respect. If I'm one minute older than you, you can't call me by my name. You have to call me brother. So it was a total... 360 degree like going from a kid who had like no respect to a kid who was forced to have
1: respect Okay, yeah so look you've painted a a, a horribly vivid picture there of why gang culture would have been very seductive and we're talking shoplifting and weapons possession and carjacking and I think you know you're you're there when a friend of yours is shot and you're shot at Twice, I think, grazed by bullets. You're on a pretty bad path here. Uh, it's fairly obvious to say. While still being good in high school and playing sport in high school, uh, so table tennis comes along in a fairly unexpected way. If anything, it seems you're at like a pool hole and there's some uh, let's, you know, nerdy kids playing table tennis, and you something you you're angry about something you kind of barge over there. You say, "Get out of the way! Give me a go of this!" and you hit a shot and they think it's actually quite a good shot. And, and they're telling you, you should check out the uh, Midtown Manhattan 50th Street ping pong hall. And, yeah, and yeah. it's kind of like that kind of a moment for you, ping pong. What age are you when you, you first venture down to Midtown Manhattan? Uh,
0: that was probably 17. Okay.
1: And, and are, you, are and, you still very angry at 17, 18? You're, yeah, you're not in a good place.
0: Well, well, that shot wasn't a shot that shot was an attempt to hit the kid with the ball because I was angry that I broke my pool stick. Okay, but it great. just so happened that it went on the table. And they were like, that's a great shot, not knowing that I was trying to be a bully. Yeah, yeah so okay. that's what that was about.
1: <laughs> uh, and when you rock up at Midtown Manhattan and see this ping pong hall, like, it's, you know, it's kind of interesting that you decided to go. I mean, you could have easily said, I'm not going to play ping pong. But obviously well, there was some attraction to you with the sport. Maybe some part of you thought, well, I'm, I might be interested in this sport.
0: Well, because I was because I was an athlete and and sports was the other half of me staying sane through all the craziness I was going through. The first was uh, being part of my gang and hanging out with my gang members. And the second, which I think I even enjoyed more, was sports. Sports was a way that. Numbed me to what was going on. If I played sports, right, you get get up early in the morning, go to school, you know, you got to practice. Then after school, you're school late, you practice. You're so tired by the time you get home, it's just noise. it, yeah. it, it it's, it's just you know here and out. So I, I noticed that whenever I played sports, you know, a lot of my aggression went out in sports, and then I was a little bit less violent. When I was hanging out with, with my gang members, right? Because I was tired. I was training. I was, and a lot of my aggression came out in sports. So I loved sports, like any sport. I like, I joined every sport in my school, every single one. I just except track because I thought it was too much work. So I
1: didn't <laughs> and ping pong. But,
0: but, but I joined every sport, and they had ping pong. By the way, check this out. They had ping pong in my school. Mm. They had it in the lunchroom. I remember I was playing football. I used to go. We used to cut through the lunchroom to go to the field. And there would be kids playing uh, ping pong, and I would make fun of them all the time. I'd be like, look at these kids with their shorts shirt, and a stick, right? Because they all had these little shorts on. <laughs> and I would call the ping pong paddle a stick. And I, used, I oh man, I used to make fun of these kids so hard. So I hope they never You, see you, any you of sound like stuff. a
1: real nice guy around then. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my God. I just start remembering it. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually didn't. I hated the sport Like, mm. completely.
1: So when you turn up at Manhattan to see this ping pong hall, And you're seeing, I'm presuming, some pretty nifty players. Yeah. Your eyes are lighting up?
0: Yes. And I think my eyes were lighting up, not so much because of the sport, because people like me were playing. So there were people from, you know, Jamaica, people from the islands. So There were black people playing. And for me, I didn't think black people played ping pong. I thought only Asians played ping pong. Right. So that was a shocking thing. Like, what? And then they were playing like amazing they were hitting the ball you know hard standing far from the table making noises going ah, and yeah. i was like whoa this is it's crazy a, it's athletic yeah yeah exactly and i was like whoa this is and then that was an immediate that was the immediate thing that drew me to the sport i think mm-hmm. if i went in there and i saw asian kids playing i would not definitely not played the sport so no matter what they were doing
1: you turned professional in 2001 yeah. Talk to me how you go from prejudice against this sport to turning up this hole in Manhattan to becoming a professional, because that's a that's a leap. Like yeah, in yeah, most sports, yeah. in most sports, if you're only starting at 17, 18, you're yeah, not turning professional.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, so like 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 I said before, I'm super talented at sports, sports come any sport doesn't matter what it is, is because, like I said, it was part of my life. And it was a way that I dealt with a lot of the stuff going on my house. So I pick up sports really, really quickly. And um, I started to get interested at that pool. hall. And so I would play with first of all, most people wouldn't even play with me. Right. Because it's very clicky. And I met uh, this older guy who was like, I think at the time he was like 70 and he would just smoke me like 21 to like four or three mm-hmm. and I'd be like, and you know, and I'm an athlete. Like I play sports, it's real sports. And this old guy's beating me. And I think that made me even want it more. I was like, there's no way this old guy can beat me. He's 70 years old. I play football, basketball. How can I lose to some guy like this? So I'm very, very, very competitive, very competitive. I can't lose. And if I lose, I got to keep doing it until I beat you. And so that made me want to play more. And then, um, one day, um, I was just hanging out. None of the good players would play with me. And uh, this guy comes up to me and he says, hey, um, do you have a, a partner? And I was like, no, I just come and hang out one time and play with this old guy sometimes. And the guy says, well, I'll pay you $20 if you come, if you play with me, like two or three times a week. And I was like, what? $20? Like, real? Like, 20? Like yeah. And he, goes, and, and he goes, yeah. I said, okay, let's do it. I mean, I sucked, but I, I could hit. Yeah. I get forehands, I get backhands. And um I would play with this guy and then we would play and um we would talk and I always spoke about you know the things I was going through. I was always open. I, I didn't I, I was the kind of kid I didn't care. I just I tell you, I tell you what I wanted, how I wanted, when I wanted. And uh for him, it was more like a TV show, right? Because if you never met anyone or know anyone who lived this life, it's TV, like it's not real, like there's no way kids walking around with guns, like it, it's you know, gang, what's that? Like. And then uh, one day I went to the club, a uh, gun fell out of my bag, a twenty-two caliber, and he saw it, and his eyes, it, I still remember the look in his face because it was a look that the whole pieces of this puzzle just came together yeah. at one time. And I didn't want to stay around to see what he was going to think about it because I don't know if he's going to call police or whatever. So I left, and the first thing I thought about was, well, there goes my $20. That's, that's it. It's gone but the guy called me the next day and said, you know, are we still playing? And I was like, okay. Um, yeah. All right. So I go to meet him and he says, Oh, I want to invite you to my house. I have a house near Hunter mountain, which is two and a half hours away from New York city. And I'm like, why is this guy inviting me to his house Mm. after just seeing, you know, a weapon fall in my bag? Like it's, it's crazy. And, uh, I agreed because I was still thinking about my $20 hustle and, um, I go up there with him and I meet his family, you know, very nice family. Uh, they have a ping pong table in, 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 in like a, a, a sport room kind of thing. And I play with them. And uh, I think not, not when I look back at it uh, I think it was him trying to show me what family is like, what real family. Cause he knew I told him about my family. So he was giving me, show me what family, like they ate together, they did things together. And then he says, Hey, I want to help you. And I say, how he goes, I want to pay for you to go to Germany to learn ping pong. And I was like, what? Germany? The only thing I knew about Germany was Hitler. And I'm like, why is this guy trying to send me to Germany? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. So he was like, yeah, I'm going to pay for you. I have a connection in Germany and uh, I'll pay for you to go. And I was like, okay. Right. And, and it still it still didn't hit me until I was actually on the flight going to Germany to learn. And I, yeah. Who the hell is this guy? Well, like- Why? Man. Uh people a lot of people say uh he was my angel. Yeah. That that I mean cuz it's so random, right? And and there was and there were like like I said, uh there were things that happened where this relationship should not happen, yeah. right? Yeah. If you see a kid drop a gun in front of you, you don't tell the kid, "Yo, come to my house." <laughs> so, yeah, but um yeah. Are you, are
1: you still in touch occasionally or?
0: No, so so um We did a documentary, actually, uh, where we were actually looking for him for a long time. So I hadn't spoke to him for a very, very long time. Like many years ago, I think Israel had a war and then we lost contact. And um, I haven't spoke to him for many years. And then we were trying to find him for this film. Mm -hmm. And uh, I can't even remember his name at the time. Like, I could not remember his name. Always his face, I remember his face is is like like if i could draw I, I, I wish i could like draw like you know out of my head but i can't but but if i could i could draw exactly how it's fixed his face is always in my head but we couldn't, I couldn't remember his name and then one day i was on um i was doing uh you know steph curry
1: we've heard of steph curry
0: yeah yeah so, <laughs> so, so, so i was doing uh steph curry's podcast okay and uh i don't know where i i say oh my god it's alex it, out of nowhere and they're like what what, what are we talking about because i I hadn't even got up to that part of the story yet and uh it just came into my head it just came in but it wasn't alex it was alec so that came later on so it wasn't until recently like maybe in the last six seven months that i remembered his name and we searched and even like when we were doing documentary five years ago i didn't remember his name but i remembered my coach's name in germany which is crazy because her name was zabina butcher but that's the name that you can't forget. Sure. So we tried to find him. We even, you know, we called the school. We actually got in touch with the coach. Then she shortly passed away. I mean, you know, like maybe six months after that, um, she, she, she passed away. I mean, that's six months ago. She, she just passed away. And, um, we, we uh, tried to get some information, but they said they don't keep that information that long at the school. Okay. So we went. So we still were never able to get in touch with him. And then someone told me that I should stop looking. And I said, why? And they said, because this is a spiritualist said, because, you know, that was an angel that was sent to change your life. And the angel has done its job. So now it's time for you to move on. And 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 take gratitude for what the angel has done for you, yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, hmm. that's pretty deep.
1: <laughs> so I mean, I don't even know. <laughs> like, you get in a plane, you go to Germany. I think Hanover is it Hanover?
0: Yeah, yeah. Hanover yeah. was the first place I, I went. So
1: how long in total are you in Germany? Is this like some? german ping pong academy where it's you and like oh. a gazillion you know, other ping pong types how long are you there for and do you return to the u.s as like a ping pong wizard
0: yeah so so um it's it's a sports school um and it's where all the top athletes of that of hanover where they go and live for their sports so it's not only ping pong there's there there were other sports there but these kids they don't live at home they all live in this school okay. so um they practice their sport three times a day, three times a day every day, three times a day and then a smaller part is probably their 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 studying. but the larger part is their sport because these are mm. kids who are going to be you know Olympic hopefuls, maybe professional uh, athletes, and they all live in this school. So I went there and uh, got very um, intensive, uh, training and ping pong. Like I said, I was an athlete already. I was already an athlete, so it it, it wasn't really difficult. I mean, the sport is extremely difficult, but uh, starting out wasn't really that difficult, right? Because I learned quickly. I listened well. I, I I I I pick up things really easy, especially sports, and and I was playing really well, right from there. And then after there, I went to a different part of Germany. So I stayed in Hanover. I think I was in Hanover for three months. And then prior to that, prior to, to that, I went to a ping pong tournament um in America and in I think I think where was this tournament at? It was uh maybe it was in Florida. And um, I didn't go to play. I just went to go see like what this was about. And I met and and I'm not shy. So we were like, yeah, that's the number one player. I would go up to the number one player in the world and say, hey, are you really the number one player at ping pong? Mm-hmm. And I would go up to these people. It's almost like walking up to Jordan, or walking up to you know, Tiger Woods and saying, hey, are you really? Are you really the number one player? And I would go up to these people and just talk to them. And um, I, 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 met, I met some people from Germany uh, who were playing for the German national team, and like, like Timo Ball, who still plays today and uh my friend thomas kynet who used to play for germany now he plays for slovakia and they said if you're ever in germany hit us up so guess what i was in germany (laughs) so i said i gotta make this and i had no i really had no money left because he paid for that segment yeah and he was like yeah so 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 i i called up my friend thomas kynet and said hey i'm in hanover um I want to, I want to I, I, I come to wherever you are. And I didn't know him. <laughs> And at the time he, they were, he was in a town called um, Hergenshausen and Hergenshausen is a really, really tiny town, which is actually the tiny town is called Grenzau. The, the, the little bit bigger town is called Hergenshausen. And then the big city is called Koblenz. So everyone knows Koblenz, but if you go up into the mountains there's Hergenshausen. And then if you go Further deeper, it's a little town called Grinsau. and Grensau was uh, a table tennis town. Like everyone yeah. who lived there, everyone who lived in this town, played, loved, or had interest in table tennis. Okay. Because the number one, the number one team, Bundesliga team in the world, was there. that, that that's where the team was. So I went from Hanover. To go training with like the best team in the world and i sucked <laughs> and, and 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 i i remember um one that the guy who was coaching at the time was andre gruba this was a, a former great player of the world you know legend player and uh i remember his exact words when i first walked into the hall <laughs> he goes oh are you Wally Green?" i said yeah he goes you want to practice here that's what he said like that (laughs) and i was like oh shit this you know it's it's like you know if freaking you know um um kobe bryant said you know you go to kobe bryant says you here and i i was like oh my god i was so so nervous um but yeah I, i got to practice i got to practice with the team and and it was a really good experience because uh there were no black people actually in that town, and uh, it, it it became a funny thing because like these little small towns, um, word travels around quickly. Anything that happens, everyone every people knew me in the street that I didn't even know. Mm. They 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 knew who I was. I didn't even know these people, <laughs> and they would say, "Oh, hey, you're the guy from America who's playing in Grenzau." I said, "No, no, 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 no. I'm I'm not playing. I'm practicing." Yeah. I'm not playing. So people thought that there was some black dude from America who's playing on, on the team. But I was just practicing because they you know they gave me a uniform. I would wear the uniform. People would pick me up as I was going. Because at this time I really didn't have any money. So a lot of it was a lot of walking, right? Uh in, in, in Germany, I don't, I don't know if it's still today, but in Germany, uh then hitchhiking is very popular. Okay. So we need to get, you know, some miles down the road. It's so gonna corner go like this, people pick you up. But people were picking me up just based on the uniform I was wearing. So then I went there, and um, and, and that was a great experience, you know, because now I'm with these guys who are, like, the elite of the sport, like, the elite of the sport, and I'm practicing with them. And like I said, I learned fast. I I, I, I learned quickly, you know. I wasn't able definitely not to be anybody. But, you know, to, to practice, I could, I could practice. And then the guy, the coach, Andre Gruber, he had a son and me and his son became really cool friends because his son spoke English very, very well. And, uh, 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 we hung out a lot, you know, we, we, we practiced together a lot and yeah. And and that's where it all started. It all started in Germany. Germany was the birthplace for it.
1: Amazing. And so you turned professional in 2001. What age you then?
0: Uh, so, so right then, so it was almost like 18, 19. Okay. So 18, 19. So,
1: how does the professional right. world treat you? Because I mean, it's funny. It's, it's funny. not easy out there. I mean, no, no, are, you, no, are you able no. to make a living? I mean, like, what, no, so what, what, what is you and no, table no, tennis?
0: No. so, 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 so I'll tell you what happened. So it's like, let me tell you, it's, I always say, you know, life is about being at the right place at the right time. When you're mm-hmm. at the right place at the right time, things happen. And that's what happened for me through a lot of my life, being at the right place at the right time. So after Germany, I come back to America, I start playing in U.S. tournaments, right? Now, I'm playing pretty well. You know, I have, I'm playing decent, going, just going up the ranks really quickly, right? And uh, there was a local tournament in Chinatown, right? Local tournament in Chinatown. And um, I go and play. And there was a kid who was visiting from China who happened to just be in America at the time. And someone said, hey, there's a tournament. You should go play. He plays ping pong. So I got to play against this kid in a match. And as we we're playing, right, the kid's making a lot of noise, you know, going "Chole," saying these words. I don't know what the hell he's talking about, but he's going crazy every time he made a point. And so I said, "All right, he want to do this. I'm going to bring some ghetto ghetto stuff into this tournament too." So I started going, "That's it, boy. Send him back. Send him back. Let's go." <laughs> I started talking trash, and <laughs> we went going back and forth at it, and people were like, "What the hell's going on?" And then after the match, uh, two people walk up to me and they say, "Hey." do you know Rockstar Games? And I say, Rockstar Games? Yeah, Grand Theft Auto, man. Yeah, I love it. Of course. And they say, well, we're going to make, uh, we're looking to make the world's first table tennis game. Would you be interested? Yes. Yeah, because they like my character. they, yes, they was like, yeah, yes. for sure, 100%. Uh, rockstar Games, I didn't even care about the money. I just Rockstar Games, and make a game. Yeah, let's do it. And so uh, I worked on this game with Rockstar Games called um, uh, uh, Rockstar Presents Table Tennis. It's the world's first, even till today. Well, now there's a new one in VR table tennis game, which is pretty good. But until that one it's the world's first and only real table tennis game, real like table tennis game. And um, I worked on this game with them and uh, like for a while. Um, then they uh, like flew me out to Japan to, to promote the game and stuff like that. And then I was thinking, wow, Rockstar Games has a lot of money, man, because they're promoting this game like crazy let me ask them to sponsor me right let, let me let me ask them to sponsor me and so I, I tell them I says listen uh I want to play on the pro tour right because you need money to play on a pro tour it, it's it's it I mean minimum is going to be like one to two thousand dollars every time you travel right so I said I want to play on a pro tour do you think you guys can sponsor me and they were like yeah of course and I was like really and they were like yeah just come up just 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 come up with a budget I didn't even know what the hell. It was. I didn't even know how to make a budget. I even so I had to go to do some research. You know how to make a budget, and 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 I figured it out. I just looked on the ITTF. I saw all the tournaments that were there, and I just started making prices. How much it would cost to fly there? How much it would cost for eating and everything I could think I would put in this budget, and then I gave it to them. And then uh, Rockstar agreed to sponsor me. So Rockstar gave me a lot of money to play ping pong around the world. So that's how I started. So, so in the beginning, and then plus, you know, I was training every day. Uh, I, I was training every day as well. And uh, when I first started, you know, I, 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 I would, I would also go back to Germany because now I have money, and practice in Germany at the same place at Grindelwald, mm-hmm. and um, I, I started playing. And actually, it's funny. My first match ever uh, in the Pro Tour was German Open against one of the guys that is on the team of Gransal that I played with. Hmm. That that was my first match ever, just random, just so happy that I played the guy that I actually practiced with in in Gransal. And and I got destroyed, killed. <laughs> like, like it, 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 was, it was, I never, thank God, I've never lost on zero, ever, ever, yeah. never. But I got, I think it was like 11-1, 11-2, okay. 11-3. It, it, it was bad. It was like destroyed, like. And and for the most part, as a pro, I was getting destroyed. Yeah. And so I was able to, I had to go through a mindset change. I, it was a mindset change I had to go through because I did have the skill, like I could play okay. and I was left-handed, which was, uh, so I had to go through this mindset change in order to do better mm-hmm. because my mind at the time was this cocky kid. I mean, think about it. I'm sponsored by Rockstar Games. Who the hell playing table tennis sponsored by Rockstar Games? Nobody. Nobody has has the sponsor that I have, right? Everybody's got these little table tennis company sponsors that mean zero. I have like a world corporation sponsor. So, you know, I'm cocky. I can be everybody, you know, in in my mind, because I'm so good at sports. I can be everyone, everyone. I I don't care who you are. If we get on the table, I'm gonna beat you. And that was the wrong mindset to have because that mindset was preventing me from learning. You know, it's one thing to practice. Practice and playing a match is two different things. It's not like, it's it's one sport that is so different than every other sport, you know, every other sport. You can be really amazing practice partner. You know, if you play basketball and if you're amazing at practice, you're most likely going to be really good at the game Sure, and ping pong is not it's so different you can be amazing at practice and really bad at the game and so um i had to change my mindset the way i was thinking the way i was thinking about the sport the way i was thinking about people playing the sport and and it wasn't until then i started doing much better
1: and this sounds like a a, a slightly kind of um, reductive question, I suppose. But how high up the world rankings do you get at your peak? Like, I think if anyone's in the top thousand, they've done an amazing thing. I mean, do you do you crack thousand? The top thousand? Do- I
0: don't. I don't even know if I cracked top thousand. Tell you the truth. Yeah. Because, you know what? I mean, like like I said, it's a long process, mm. right? Because the first process was getting killed. Listen, I was getting annihilated, like yeah. destroyed. Yeah. Destroyed, and, and 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 it's crazy because you know, this this was when I was my my mental thing was, I could win, I could beat these guys,
1: mm.
0: these guys are not that good, and that's what I was thinking, and because I thought that way, I put too much pressure on myself, and because I put too much pressure on myself, I couldn't I I I I I, I couldn't play, to the best of my ability, right? Because I was trying too hard. And then I started to, and then, well, actually there was a big, so they, they, they went through two phases, right? That was the first phase, but my second tournament, my second tournament was quite interesting because this is when everyone in the world knew who I was, was the second tournament. So the second tournament was Dutch open. And um, I remember I played against, I think the first match was England. And I got killed, destroyed, Mm -hmm. 11-1, 11-2, like easy. I don't think I made five points. Then uh, the second match was Russia, got killed again, right? The third match was China. Now, we all know China is the best in the world by far, Mm. the goats of the goats. And I still remember the guy's name till today because I will never forget. I'll be telling this story to like my great-great-grandkids so <laughs> I'm playing this guy. His name is Chen Junji from China. And um we're we're playing the match. And of course, the first game kills me, 11 one Second game kills me again. And then my German friend I told you about, Thomas Kyneth. Mm-hmm. He I used to teach him some some uh ghetto stuff, right? Because he's very, very, very German, but he's a little different. He's he's kind of like a um like a rebel, right? So, so he was very different than most of the German people who played, and that's why the coach didn't really like him so much because he had his own kind of thinking. And so I would teach him, yeah, you know, when I'm hanging out with my when I'm hanging out with my Jamaican friends, we always go bo 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 bo. So he incorporated that into his ping pong game, mm-hmm. and this guy was like number forty in the world. So at forty in the world, he would play, and because of me, he'll go bo 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 bo. And people are like what's this guy doing so so anyway he's coaching me uh against china and um i'm down uh two zero right and i think i lose next game i'm down three zero no, i'm down two i'm down two two zero because like uh three four yeah so so i'm down two zero and and i'm just like getting killed like the whole tournament's getting killed the first tournament getting killed yeah. and then my friend goes to me wally wally come on you have to fight you have to fight, you know, po po po. So I go to the table and I serve a long ball. I had, I had really good, fast, long services, very fast, and I serve it and ace them. And then I went, yeah, "Yes, baby, come on!" And then <laughs> I bring, I brag such this crazy, insane, uh, 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 really. Hood mentality now. Now I'm getting dirty and I'm like, that's it, baby. Come on. The guy got scared. The Hmm. guy got scared, literally got scared. Like he's never, and now you remember this everyone's watching in the hall. All Hmm. the players, all top players. I'm the loudest person in the hall. That's it. And guess what? I take a game from China. Take a game 11 9 against China. Against China. I got a game, right? (laughs) A game, which is madness. American just started playing, gets a game from China. is complete madness. Mm. So then we're playing the match. I'm loud, I'm fighting, right? Um, he gets a game, so now it's 3-1, right? Guess what? I fight again, I get even louder. I'm like pumping pump fists, you know, and it's so loud. It, and at this time, no one in the world knew me. No one knew who the hell I was. Yeah. But now everyone did because I was young. Yeah, that's it baby, let's go! So loud. Mm-hmm chinese guy was shitting his pants man <laughs> it was crazy and then i took another game so check this out i got two games now it's two three in the sixth game because it's four out of seven the sixth game you know what the score is nine six for me in the sixth game i'm leading nine six right the, the chinese coach calls timeout right and, and, and you know just for a chinese coach to call timeout that's amazing bro like and then, and then uh, uh my German friend, he speaks Chinese because he spent a lot of time in China. And um he was listening, the coach is yelling at the guy. The coach like, I never saw this guy from anywhere. I don't even know who this guy is. If you <laughs> lose to this guy, you'll never play in this country again. <laughs> Finish, like you're done, right? And so my friends telling me this, and then I I I, I made one mistake. I I, you know, and I, I tell this to all my students too, like when they play. If it's not broke, don't fix it. And as athletes, we always have the, the, and you see it a lot. We, for some reason, things are really working well. And then we want to change it because we think we can win, but we were winning. Mm. There's no need to change. If it's not broken, fix it. So what I did was, um, I thought I could really win and I said, okay, well, you got to calm down. You got to calm down and focus which was the stupidest advice I ever gave myself. So stupid, so stupid, because what I was doing is the reason I was winning, right? Not that I was a better player than he was, because I was in his head. Mm. And I had some skill, but I was in his head. And I calmed down. I went up losing the match. 11-9. So he came back, he focused, and I guess he didn't want to get kick- kicked off the tee. <laughs> and then he focused, and uh, he he uh, won the match. And um, But... At that point, every player knew me. Waldner, you know, Pearson, all these players, Timo, all everyone knew this crazy guy mm. from New York City who was a rapper because at that time I did hip hop. So
1: and did, did yeah. they, did they, was there like a certain resentment, you know, like this guy never played, gets sponsored by Rockstar. <laughs> He's loud. This is a joke. This is a novelty act. He doesn't belong. <laughs> yes. Here. Yes. yeah so yeah did that that ever go away like what what would be the perception of you now
0: so so what happened was is um in the beginning uh it was like that but what was happening was is that i was getting better like i said i always get better and and once i changed my mindset the mindset was to change that these guys are good they started to sport at three you can't beat them yeah then I started playing better because now, guess what? I started do, I started making goals in my mind that made sense, which made me even more crazier. People, listen, people legit thought, they, they were like, if you guys any of those guys, they remember, they were like, yeah, that fucking guy's crazy. Because what I would do is I would make these smaller goals in my head. And I would say, okay, you know what? I'm getting killed under five. Wally, you have to make five points. If you make five points in one game, this would start. It started with one game. You make five points in one game, you're the champion, you're the winner. I believed it. So you would see I'd be losing three zero. And the last game I get five. And I'll go, yeah. And people like, what was wrong with this guy? Yeah, he, okay. He only made five points. But I made goals. And then I went from five to making five points every game. Now every game, you gotta make five points. If you make five points, even if you lose, you're the winner. Remember, these guys playing three at three, you just started this game, you can do it. I would do that, and I would go crazy. And everyone was wondering why am I yelling so loud when I'm losing? But they didn't understand that I had any goals that mm-hmm. made sense—goals mm-hmm. that I could. People call them smart goals. Goals that I could actually accomplish. And through those goals, I just said, "Okay, just win one game. You win one game out of four. You, you won this thing." And I would fight for that one game so hard, and I'd win it. And I, and then it wasn't until then I started playing well. And what what started happening is I started. It started changing the sport in a way right because the sport was boring like people were boring people no one really made noise we made noise it looked bad you know at the time i was doing hip hop so there were no rappers that played ping pong it was crazy rapper you you rap how you play ping pong mm-hmm. and um the media started coming to me like all the time like i would yeah. lose the match i would lose i just got annihilated four zero but the interviews were coming to me all the time. They were like, oh, man, you play, you rap, why you play ping pong and blah, blah, blah. And then I started realizing that as I was going along, you know, you have to find your place, right? Where's my place? I can't be, be the top player in the world. I'm not going to be number one in the world because only one person is number one in the world and China's killing everyone. Mm-hmm. So, you know, where's my place in this sport? And then I realized it, I'm like one of the most popular people here <laughs> because of my character, because I'm different, because mm. I bring a totally different vibe to a sport that's considered dorky, nerdy, you know, I was none of those, I was way on the other side of the spectrum. And so, you know, then I started saying, okay, you know what, I'm just gonna be me. Mm. So I would I would come to the, to the uh, 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 I would go to like play uh, international competition i would come like the dopest clothes. I wear my Jordans, have my gold chain on, my hat with glasses on, right? And and I, I would enter the hall like this, right? And people were like, oh shit. And then people were like, people started to like me a lot. Like all the players are like, yo, this guy is cool. You know, then after, you know, usually during the pro tour, you know, uh, on that Saturday night, people are gonna go out, have drinks, I'd be out hanging out with them, right? And then I'd be in my element now because now we're in a nightclub, Right, and then I'm chilling. I'd be the one picking up the girls, talking with the girls, and hanging out. And then, and then all the players just started respecting me. And I was getting better, and I was getting better, and I was getting, I was getting good. I was getting real good. And uh, yeah, I, I just found my spot. Then I decided, you know what? I don't need to be the best player in the world. I, I don't. That's not my goal. I said I'm going to become the most popular player in the world. I'm going to become the player that everyone likes. And through that, so many things happen. Like one time I'm, I'm sitting down and the Korean uh, national team coach comes to me. This is Korea. Korea comes to me and says, hey, Wally, I uh, really like you. I want you to come to Korea to practice. What? <laughs> and, I'm, and I was like, why is guys asking me to practice? Right? And I told my friend Thomas. So the guy Thomas is a guy I traveled with all the time. He's a guy throughout the pro tour we're always together and i said why is this guy asking me to practice i I suck compared to everyone else Mm. he should ask other people to practice and my friend was like no no you know you should do it you know it's korea it's korea national team and i was like that's i don't know why it's weird so i I kind of ignored it like for a little for a while because i i thought it was just bullshit i was like i didn't i didn't understand why he would ask me and then um they asked me again and i was like yeah 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 and then uh korea open i was gonna play korea open so I figured, you know what? Let me take this guy up on the offer because I'm going to go to Korea anyway. Might as well go there early and play, right? And uh, yeah, man, they I practiced with Korean national team. At first, I was supposed to practice with the girls. I was supposed to practice with the women's team. And then for some reason, I wound up practicing with the men's team, which was crazy because now I'm practicing with these famous guys who are playing for Korean national team, and I'm part of the group. And, 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 and I... And I'm sure, and I'm 100% sure that they didn't invite me to Korea to play because my skill was that good, right? Because all those guys are better than me. But what they did invite me for is because they knew that I was a fighter and they knew that I would bring a different kind of energy. You know, I would bring that really hood energy, that, that, that very uh, 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 raw, raw energy to the practice and that's why they invited me because of that and you know i'd be in practice and i would fight and i would you know just come on let's go let's go you know that energy and yeah and so because of that you know i got to practice with so many national teams around the world
1: i have two last quick questions one what's your relationship with table tennis now do you still go on the tour how do you do you make enough money to live your life from table tennis now
0: yeah yeah so so um Table tennis has brought me like so so many different things. Like, first of all, it kept me alive, right? Uh, and uh, everything I do now is table tennis related. Like, I just did a TEDx talk, right? Did a big TEDx talk. What did my TEDx talk about? Table tennis and my life and how it's changed my life and and the perseverance through through it all, through mm-hmm. all the way to North Korea, right? Uh, I'm co-founder of of a um, a bar, a lounge, restaurant, which is also co-founded by the actress Susan Sarandon.
1: She's big spin. into her. She's big into her table tennis.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. She used to be even bigger. Yeah, but but yeah. So so um, I'm co-founder of that club, and you know we have two locations in New York, another six across the country. Um, so everything I do involves this sport, I, and I play every day. I, I, okay. I, I I don't travel anymore on the pro tour, um, only because you know I had surgery. You know, in all this time and, and all this time when I was playing all the years I played, I was injured. Your hip. Yeah. I, I, if, you, if you look at any of my videos on the pro tour, you'll always see me limping. I was always limping. I was always in pain. I was always injured. Now I'm not, you know, I had my surgery three. Finally, I said, well, a physical therapist scared the mess out of me. They looked at my hip and they said, listen, if you don't get this done yesterday, You'll fracture your hip and you'll never play a sport again. Mm-hmm. And then, I was like, "Yeah, okay, mm-hmm. yeah." So, so, so you know, I got it done by one of the best surgeons, and you know, uh, I, I'm like brand new now. I can move. I'm quick. So, so I do play every day, you know, at some capacity. I have a, li- but I play more of entertaining. So I like to bring people into the sport, and the actual sport doesn't bring new people in. It it doesn't, it it, it doesn't, but what I do brings people in by having a bar with music, beating people with my cell phone. I play with my iPhone Mm six. I have an iPhone six. It's the only phone I play with. iPhone six. And I beat people with my cell phone. I have a little paddle that's this big. And I play players who actually play the sport with my little tiny paddle. So these are all cool things that I do um, to make the sport cool for me my calling for the sport and the whole reason I got onto the sport, I don't think it was to be the best player in the world. It wasn't. It was to change the perception of the sport and make it cool and make when kids, when, 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 when little kids see me, they can say, yeah, you know what? I like that sport. I want to play that. Right. Because, you know, I come from the craziness, you know, I am the craziness and I bring that different kind of, you know, feeling to a sport that's more kind of like, you know, everyone should be calm. Everyone should be quiet. And, you know, it should yeah. be like chess. But no, it's a sport just like every other sport. And if you have emotions, like, like look what happened to the uh, uh, Olympian from China, right? He, 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 he won, you know, he, he went, ah, I went crazy and he kicked the barrier, right? Okay, the barrier is made of paper. Who cares, right? He showed emotion. And what they did, they penalized him for it. They, they took away his, 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 his winnings. But they don't know the background story, right? How the coach favored another person, another uh, uh, athlete over him. And he proved his point. So that's an emotion. Let the emotion come out. What they did, mm-hmm. immediately, they suppressed it. It was in the world news. World news. Uh, he got his 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 uh, um, winnings taken away because he kicked the barrier. Who cares? It's not yeah. that serious. The yeah. barrier is $2. Yeah. So that's the thing. Bring out the emotion and, you know, just change the sport a little bit, make it cool, make it fun for the average person. Mm. So that was my calling and and I realized it really quickly. And that's what I spent my whole time doing.
1: Well, my last question is almost to revisit the start of the interview where you said, if it wasn't for table tennis, I'd be dead or in jail now. And the other thing you talked about in your teenage years was this incredible anger, the anger, the understandable anger. And I think it's worth reminding people of that now, because to listen to you now talk for the last 45 minutes or however long it's been, not much anger there anymore. So (laughs) it's really, it's not just saved your life, but it's, it saved your soul a little bit. It saved your personality a little bit. I think it's fair to say more than a little bit. And,
0: and, and, and I'll tell you in in one of the most important ways it, it did. Um, because if we took any other sport, Um, it probably wouldn't have been the same outcome. The thing about table tennis that was really good for me is that it allowed me to see the world and it allowed me to see different people of the world, different cultures of the world, different backgrounds of the world, something I would have never seen with any other sport, right? How many NBA players travel the world to play NBA? None, zero, because all the NBA games are in America. Right. Um, same thing with football. Same thing with almost every other sport. And but this sport took me around the world. So my mind became more open towards ideas, towards cultures. You know, I have friends in every major country in the world. If you were to ask me that as a kid, I'd be like, what are you crazy? I don't want to talk mm. to those people. What? You know, I no, no way. I, I I would, you know, I only saw what what I knew. But the sport, like I said, it it took me around the world and just to get to experience, you know, what it's like to be in China, what it's like to be in Russia, what it's like to be in Germany, what it's like to be in Brazil, in all these different, Spain, all these different countries. It opens your mind and, and it lets you know that, you know, maybe what you think is really bad for you may not. Oh, something's really bad happening to you. May not be so bad when you see how other people are living. So you know, it, it taught me a lot of life lessons, and it just made me open. So now I'm more open. You, you know, I, I can be friends with anybody now. Anyone, anyone. I tell people like I said, listen, man. I says, if I had the power, I would tell Putin, say, "Yo, bro, let's play some ping pong and talk about this." Let's play some ping pong. Let's sit down. Let's play some ping pong, bro. I I I just feel like you know now I can talk to anybody. Like it doesn't matter. I can sit in the room with the Taliban and have a conversation with anyone. It doesn't matter the background. It does not matter. And I think that's because of the sport. The sport allowed me to travel and it opened my eyes up to the world and not just where I'm at right now.
1: Listen, amazing to hear that story. Not when we have in the show all that often. So Wally Green. People can check out, they want to see you playing table tennis. They'll see how damn good you are. I mean, to my eye, it looked like you were pretty amazing. So it's on YouTube, your footage is there. So, uh, an amazing life and best to look for the future. Thanks, Wally.
0: Thank you very much. Appreciate it.